You're listening to the Quicker Than Fast podcast with your hosts, Michael and Robert Hardwick. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Quicker Than Fast Podcast to stay up to date on NFL news, information regarding episodes, and to join the conversation. And why not hit that like and share button on our Facebook page? And thank you for your support. Ladies and gentlemen, pull out your hair ties. It's time to let your hair down and truly get funky. Hello and welcome back everyone to episode 26 of the Quicker Than Fast podcast. As always, I'm your host, Michael Hardwick, joined in the studio with my brother, Robert. Hey. Uh, we come bringing you episode 26 to talk about NFL rookies. You know, couple, you know, two weeks ago now we've had the NFL draft. Um, I'm sure you've seen some draft grades out there, but we wanted to give you our kind of draft analysis and draft grades for all the teams, broken down by divisions, and we figured we'd end the episode talking about the top 10 fantasy rookies for this upcoming draft, knowing, you know, some teams might have dynasty drafts coming up, um, you know, that, that'll change, of course, depending on the type of league you're in. But that's what we're here today to talk about. We're talking about the rookies, the rookie draft. Um, you know, I think we'll probably just end up starting right in with the NFC South. Um, we know we have one team that drafted uh, number eight in the draft, and that was the Carolina Panthers. Carolina came away with, you know, we're talking about the draft grade, but we like their draft overall. I know to start out, they might have surprised some people taking J.C. Horn, the cornerback out of South Carolina. One of my favorite players, Terrence Marshall Jr., uh, and then a tackle in Brady Christensen um, for their first three picks. What do you think about the Carolina draft overall? I like their draft last year going defensively when they needed the defensive help. They kind of continued on that too, I mean, right out of the gate with J.C. Horn, but I think it helps their team. I think they help Sam Darnold. It solidifies that he's going to be the starter when they had a chance at, you know, Mac Jones, Justin Fields type. But I think I like the direction they were going. You know, for me overall, they got good value on 11 total picks. So a team that went full defensive last draft, kind of more balanced this draft. But players like Deontay Brown late in the sixth round, Shai Smith, the, you know, kind of what's he going to be wide receiver out of South Carolina. Um, Devon, uh, Davion Nix out of Iowa, defensive tackle. I think they got themselves four or five starters in this draft. Um, and I think that's why it correlates with the draft grade we're going to give them. Yeah, and Chuba Hubbard, I mean, getting him in the fourth round there, he's a hard runner, had big numbers a couple of years ago, not as big this last year. And ultimately with the draft, I mean, we gave him an A-. minus. I think we just like the direction the organization's going. I think they're going to be a force next year come the NFC South. We feel like they did what the Jets didn't do by getting help for Sam Darnold, you know, also building a defense. I felt like the Jets just never really did that. Sam Darnold's going to have a really, really good, solid team, good coaching staff and good, you know, ownership and, and general manager there. We feel like this is a team that, you know, whether Sam Darnold works or not, they've got to structure a team in place where you plug in any quarterback, you know, down the road and hopefully you got a, comp- a competitive team. You know, the Bucks really have maybe one, two more year window, depending on Brady's uh, time there. Uh, Bucks could, or the Panthers could be looking like that next team to emerge out of the NFC South. Uh, we'll move on to the Atlanta Falcons, who, you know, hold the, held the number four pick in this draft. Would they go quarterback? Would they not? They went Kyle Pitts, the tight end out of Florida, highest tight end ever drafted. They followed that up with Richie Grant, the safety out of UCF in the second round. Jalen Mayfield, the offensive lineman out of Michigan in the third round. Um, but there's one glaring thing here, and they didn't take a running back. Yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely a missing piece. I think it really hurt him in our draft grade here. We gave him a B- minus in it. It could have been, you know, take a running back anywhere in there. It could have been a B-plus type of situation. They got, is it Mike Davis coming in yep, this year? Yep. So, I mean, a guy with a little bit of value after last year, but a team that's notoriously, you know, hasn't been great with running backs here. 
and getting the best value out of him. You see Tevin Coleman leaving, you know, and then becoming what he was. So they definitely needed a running back coming into the year. Both these teams we just talked about, the Panthers and Falcons, really their draft grade, it's all going to be dependent on what's like a guy like Justin Fields going to be or Mac Jones because you passed on those type of players. Uh, so we'll just have to, you know, we'll kind of see – is Kyle Pitts could end up being an incredibly good wide receiver slash tight end. But if Justin Fields is a world-class quarterback, it almost makes it irrelevant. But overall, I like guys like Richie Grant. He'll, he'll be a starting safety for him. Jalen Mayfield will probably slot in more like a guard. Um, I'm sure you might be able to talk more about Jalen Mayfield from Michigan. But Darren Hall probably is going to eventually, you know, in a year or so, maybe be a starting corner. So some good value there in the draft. But really, it'll hinge on Kyle Pitts, you know, and then what's a guy like Justin Fields end up going to be. The Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers, of course, drafting at the end of the draft, took a guy many might not be familiar with, um, but if you listen to this podcast, we talked about Joe Tryon from Washington being a kind of a sleeper of a late one type player. He had the physique to be that that type of pick. Yeah, he's absolutely a physical freak. I mean, he's another first guy off the bus you want out there. And to get with the defensive line and defensive staff that they have there, they're going to get whatever he has in him. You know, in our mocks that we were doing, a lot of times we had them getting an, an edge rusher type or defensive lineman uh, for the replacements of Sue. But here's a replacement for Jason Pierre-Paul down the road to line up across from Shaq Barrett. I mean, just think about the four linebacker possibility of Joe Tryon, Devin White, Levante David, and Shaquille Barrett rushing. You know, that's that's terrifying. So I think it's a good pick. You know, they, they had the luxury of returning every starter. Um, so they could kind of go with whatever there. They went offensive or, you know, outside linebacker edge there. Kyle Trask drafted in the second round. Um, that's going to be an interesting pick. You know, he's going to back up Brady, but they also brought back Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, for a while this last year, he's looking like he could have been a Heisman favorite for a while. Um, he had all the weapons around him at Florida there. A little inconsistent at times. He'll go sit behind Brady for a couple years, hopefully figure out his accuracy issues. You know, if he can stay in shape, he looked a lot different at the end of the year than he did the beginning of the year. But going to a Tampa Bay team with a lot of weapons definitely help a young quarterback if he's called upon. Yeah, and one name to 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 remember here to to see maybe down the road is Jalen Darden, a name you might not be super familiar with unless you watch Good Morning Football. They talked about him a lot, the wide receiver out of North Texas, super electric, smaller guy. But again, look to see what happens in the slot in the in the near future here. Um, he could be a guy that you just get the ball into in his hands or punt return, kick return. And they did compare him a lot to an Antonio Brown type of player in things I've seen about him. I mean, he's definitely got a long ways to go, but going to a team where he has the wide receiver help and coaching, we ended up giving Tampa Bay a B here. Again, it was all necessity picks. They have a returning team here, so there's no real glaring needs, but I feel what they did bring in, you know, is going to help them establish a team more than just a couple years down the road. Yeah, and a guy some, probably who's going to contribute to special teams right away. Um, but we're going to move on. The last team in the NFC South, uh, the New Orleans Saints. Kind of a surprising draft here. Um, you know, they again, a team that has a, has a fairly good roster, you know, some glaring, maybe a wide receiver need, um, and then some defensive help. And they do go defensive with their first pick, pick number 28, Peyton Turner, the defensive end out of Houston. I know I mentioned on the podcast in one of our last you know, episodes, uh, a guy who, if he would have had a better senior bowl, probably would have been more of a, a bona fide or talked about first round pick. He didn't have a good senior bowl. There were some issues with his pro day, maybe some potential laziness, but the guy's an absolute, you know, I, he's, he's an animal on the field. He's, he's the type of player that could eventually replace Cam Jordan, be opposite Marcus Davenport. They get Pete Warner, linebacker of Ohio State, in the second round. Paulson Adebo, a guy who, was talked about as a first round corner last year, but again, the athletics, you know, the athleticism is not quite there. Lapses in judgment at times. 
Then Ian Book, the quarterback out of Notre Dame at four, kind of in the fourth round, kind of took us by surprise. So give me your general thoughts on the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, I'm not big on the Peyton Turner thing very much. I mean, you got Marcus Davenport, who you took a couple years ago and really hasn't panned out to be the superstar that, you know, they really hoped he would be. I thought maybe as like Justin Fields or Mac Jones kind of tumbled a little bit in the first round, maybe the Saints would look at moving up, getting somebody, you know, bring him in there. But apparently Jameis is what their future is going to be. But I, do, I don't like the Ian Book one. You're saying you have two quarterbacks and you're bringing a third in who's kind of a bigger name from a bigger school. So people might want to see him play. There's been comparisons to Drew Brees with Ian Book. So you really don't want to bring a guy in like that. We ended up giving him – you know, a D plus here. I think they could have done a lot more with the few amount of picks that they had, but there was definitely better value on the board. You know, one thing that's interesting, if you didn't hear this during the draft, the Saints were actually trying to trade up to get into the top 10. Now you might think trying to get up there for a guy like Justin Fields, but it's actually they were trying to get up to get JC Horn, mm-hmm. but they didn't expect him to go eight to the Panthers like he did. Um, so I would just say that team really is happy with Jameis Winston because they weren't going up for a quarterback. They didn't get Mac Jones that was slipping. Um, they're happy with Jameis Winston, and they really wanted to shore up that defense. Yeah, and I bet if you asked them and they had to be really honest about it, I bet they would say that if Mac Jones would have fell just past the Patriots maybe a little bit further, that maybe he would have been in play on their board because I feel like he'd have been a good fit based off of what they had with Drew, Pre- or Drew Brees in the past. All right, let's move on to the AFC South. Of course, that draft was the AFC South draft was kicked off with the Jacksonville Jaguars having the number one overall pick, taking Trevor, you know, Trevor Lawrence, the the home run pick there, but then followed it up with his teammate Trevor Travis Etienne um, with the twenty fifth pick in the first round. Kind of a surprise, rip to to my boy James Robinson. Um, we just didn't expect that to happen. But again, a coach who comes in didn't have any really allegiance to this running back decides to get a guy that they said was their best player available. Yeah, and you got to remember Urban Meyer probably recruited these guys when they were in high school, so he really likes these guys. We're seeing it right now with, you know, Tim Tebow coming in for tight end tryouts. So he's definitely has an allegiance to guys that were with Ohio State, were with the big programs that he probably recruited. So, I mean, they go Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne. I'm not a big Travis Etienne fan, taking him in the first round when there's a lot of value on the board. Kadarius Toney was obviously the pick they wanted. He was taken before him. I Walker Little in the second round, though, at pick 45, I feels like a really good pick. If he can stay healthy, he's going to solidify a left tackle for Trevor Lawrence for the future. Yeah, and guys like Tyson Campbell in the second, he's going to he's gonna have a chance to be their number two corner. Andre Sisco could, could be a starting safety for him in round three if he stays healthy. Um, but yeah, Jalen Camp, wide receiver in the sixth round, a guy that I absolutely love as a development type player and a special teams contributor out of Georgia Tech. Um, you know, overall, what, what, where do we go for a draft grade with them? Yeah, we ended up giving him an A minus here. I mean, ultimately with Trevor Lawrence there, and they say Tyson Campbell, Walker Little, and you get Travis Etienne to be, you know, splitting time with James Robinson there. All you can do is bring in more help for Trevor Lawrence. And uh, on a good team, you're looking at maybe possibly a wild card team. Yeah, really. And the A minus also comes down to the idea that this team has needs. They're a young team. They can kind of have the the luxury of drafting what they would consider their best player. I can't fault them for what their board looks like. They had nine total picks there. Uh, overall good draft. It's all going to hinge on Trevor Lawrence, of course. Uh, we move on to the Tennessee Titans, a team that had only eight or had eight picks in this draft, and they started out. Would they go wide receiver? Would they get a guy to replace the people they left or lost? Corey Davis, Adam Humphreys, Jonu Smith. Instead, they take the corner who's been falling with injury, Caleb Farley. Great value at twenty-two, in my opinion, because of the injury. What do you think about Caleb Farley to the Titans? Yeah, Caleb Farley been a top top ten pick, maybe a top five pick if he would have been healthy and not all these injury concerns. 
to get him at pick 22. If he can stay healthy, you got a starting number one corner in the league. Again, it all depends. Is he going to be healthy? And then you go Dylan, Dylan Radons, the offensive tackle out of North Dakota State that many of you might be familiar with. Um, and get a guy like Elijah Molden uh, in the third round of the corner out of Washington who was talked about as an early round two type player. And uh, Rashad Weaver is a defensive end out of um, Pittsburgh. But the, the real thing here is, right, they don't go wide receiver until the fourth round. And Des Fitzpatrick, a guy who has some, some ability potentially, but I think that, you know, with the draft grade we gave them, it's really indicative of the lack of wide receiver here. Yeah, to help a quarterback that's really based off the play action there and to help A.J. Brown get open more, you think they'd have moved around maybe in the second, third round to go get somebody there. It didn't work out that way. We gave them a B minus, probably would have been a B plus if they would have moved somewhere to get a wide receiver for help. Yeah, I mean, the the B the B itself really comes from Caleb Farley pick, uh, the value there. And then Dylan Radons, I think, will be a starting tackle for sure. But again, they got they get a guy like Monty Rice, the linebacker out of Georgia, in the third. Nothing against Monty Rice, but that's where I would have maybe tried to get one of these wide receivers in a deep wide receiver class. We move now to the Houston Texans, a team who only had five picks in this draft because of you know poor management in the past. So really, you'd think they can't do anything wrong here. They just need to get players on this roster. But with everything going on with Deshaun Watson, they go Davis Mills, the quarterback out of Stanford, with the 67th pick. To me, that just kind of screams, you know, that they didn't have a not not a plan, but that it was really a it wasn't a well thought out pick. They they just took there was a run on quarterbacks. Kellen Mond had gone. Um, I believe Kyle Trask had gone and they just said, we need to take, make sure we get a quarterback here in this draft. So if, you know, Deshaun Watson can't play, we got Tyrod Taylor and we got a guy to develop in, in Davis Mills. Overall, I didn't love that pick. Again, if he turns out to be a superstar, it looks different. But even though I like Davis Mills as a prospect for a team that really needs more help than a quarterback at this moment, uh, didn't love the pick. Yeah, it felt like a panic pick. I mean, you got Tyrod Taylor. If something happens to, with Deshaun Watson, you know, injury, legal, trade-wise, he can come in, Tyrod Taylor, and be a serviceable quarterback on a team that's bad. You don't have to bring somebody in and, you know, hope they get you to the playoffs. Davis Mills, though, could have been an end-of-first-round pick. We thought maybe a second round. Goes round three. But, again, I don't like him going there. Nico Collins, obviously a Michigan guy. He's a big body. I like him. I just don't like him going there. I mean, I don't think he'll get the targets unless Watson is playing. Brevin Jordan going there, tight end out of Miami. You bring in another tight end where they have a lot of tight ends, just not any good ones. So not sure what's going to happen there. Ultimately, we end up giving him a pretty bad grade there. Giving him a D minus, probably the lowest we'll give out. But it's just the front office keep making the same mistakes. Yeah, I mean, different front office, you think something would change. And again, we don't know their board. We don't know how high ranked up they had these players. Maybe they thought Davis Mills would be long gone by then, and they fell into his lap. But anyways, we just think, you know, there's there's ways to build the team, and we don't know if that team, their current construct, should be built by just going quarterback first. We move now to the Indianapolis Colts, a team that's, you know, historically drafted well, but a team that also, they tend to find more diamonds in the rough. The Darius Leonard-type players, um, and then I'm, I'm I can't remember the guy that Blackman the safety they got last year. Guys that they get in those second, third, fourth rounds that maybe we didn't know about, and they they end up being stars. But they go first with Quiddy Pay, the defensive end out of Michigan. I like the motor, I like the story, I like the player ultimately, and I like where they got him at 21. Um, and then they get a guy like Sean Davis, the safety out of Florida. Uh, you get Sam Ellinger, my quarterback out of Texas, in the sixth round. Um, but overall, you know, I wasn't blown away by their draft. You can tell they went defensive heavy with two DNs in the first two rounds. They're really thinking we need to get after the quarterback. Yeah, and they didn't take a quarterback high in Ellinger. 
my only problem is you bring Carson Wentz in, and if Ellinger's there, he's a well-known quarterback. And so if for some reason Wentz starts struggling, are people going to start calling for Sam Ellinger to play? But I like Quiddy Pay there. I don't think they thought he'd be there maybe at 21. So it's definitely a value pick for him there. Ultimately, gave him a C plus. I think there's some other options they could have done instead of taking, you know, some more defensive help and drafting a quarterback. But whatever's on your board, that's what you take. Well, now we'll move out of the AFC South. We'll move back to the NFC and we'll talk about the NFC North. A lot of you fans might, or a lot of you listeners might be fans of a team of the NFC North. So we'll break down the NFC North here. We'll start with the Chicago Bears who really just overall had a good draft. I mean, only had seven picks, but I feel like they made the most out of those seven picks. They started out by moving up with the Giants uh, to the number 11 pick uh, to get Justin Fields, a quarterback out of Ohio State. What did you think when that move happened and then you drafted Justin Fields? Yeah, I was kind of surprised the GM and coach would do that because if they have a bad year, they're on their last legs. So to really commit into let's have a rookie quarterback, probably better than Andy Dalton, but – I feel like they finally got it right. After the Mitchell Trubisky fiasco, everything, you know, Nick Foles, all these other things, I feel like you got your Deshaun Watson type of player that they missed on. We'll wait and see what happens with him. He seems very motivated, though, you know, to come yeah. in. And he he seemed really pissed off in the draft that he wasn't taken higher. So to come in, and in the second round, they steal Te- or Tevin Jenkins, oh, who yeah. I thought was going to be a mid-first-round pick, slips to the second round somehow, and pick 39. So you get a guy that comes into the offensive line, helps Justin Fields. I, I feel like they're moving in the right direction and finally making some smarter picks. You know, for me, nobody would have cared if Tevin Jenkins was their pick in the first round. I think people would have thought that's a fine pick. Um, I have some concerns that they let go of their left tackle, Charles Leno, to start Tevin Jenkins on the left side. I think he's a right tackle, so we'll see if that move pays out. But Khalil Herbert running back in the sixth round just added depth, but he's a, he's a good player. And then Daz Newsom, the wide receiver in the sixth round, again, adds some depth there. They had luck last year drafting Darnell Mooney later. I think Daz Newsom could give him some of that this year. And I just think, you know, it's all going to hinge on how Justin Fields plays. But this is one of those teams I'm interested to see their schedule, to see is there going to be a part in that schedule that looks like if we're struggling by this point, is Justin Fields going to be starter? Because I think Dalton's starter day one. But maybe even by week four or five, Fields is on the and field. I, I think what Justin Fields offers is a really good defense still that doesn't have to be on the field constantly. Justin Fields can move the chains, and I think that defense can still win you games. The problem last year, they were constantly on the field. So I think that changes this year. We ultimately gave them an A-. I think an overall good or good draft. Yeah, if this is the last draft there for their <clears throat> GM, you know, he, he at least went out with a bang, and, and he's probably going to set up whatever GM there is next uh, for some potential success. We moved to Detroit, where the Detroit Lions really had a lot of needs. Um, they could have went multiple different directions here. We thought wide receiver, trade-out possibility here. Who knows? Maybe quarterback. Panay Sewell fell to him. The offensive tackle out of Oregon. They went Panay Sewell with the number seven overall pick. I think that's a home run pick. Um, they could go any direction. They're gonna they're building through the trenches as we see with their picks. Levi Anuzarike, the defensive tackle out of Washington, and Alim McNeil, the defensive tackle out of North Carolina State. Those are two starting defensive tackles um, on a team that they're building through the line. Uh, Melifanu, the cornerback out of Syracuse, uh, potentially could be across um, from, uh, I'm, I'm forgetting the corner they drafted early last year, yep. um, but he'll be lined up across from him potentially. But again, they don't get a wide receiver to Lamont Ross St. Brown in the fourth round. But Derek Brown's sleeper pick here, the linebacker to Purdue, could be their starting linebacker day one. Yeah, I've never seen a front office as excited for a tackle as the Lions were there. But I think that was probably a spot for Devontae Smith to go wide receiver. 
until Sewell fell. You can't yep. ask for a better tackle to come there that could possibly be there for the next 12 plus years, especially in a division with some good pass rushers. Really help Jared Goff, you know, figure out the field. They always have good defensive tackles there. You bring one in the second round. This really looks like a, a draft for a coach who has a six-year contract, you know, that can be patient and build the right way. So whatever quarterback you plug in there, once you get some more wide receiver help. Um, but that's going to be the biggest problem this year. Is Jared Goff going to succeed without having more wide receivers potentially to help? But a guy like Jamar Jefferson, the running back out of Oregon State in the seventh round, he's going to make this roster, especially seeing uh, Johnson getting cut this week. Um, he's going to potentially be a backup there to – um, to DeAndre Swift. Yeah, and ultimately we gave the Detroit Lions a B plus, you know, a draft that they probably haven't had in quite a few years. No, overall good draft for them. We'll see how it plays out, but they're building what I think is the right way to build. Here we got the Minnesota Vikings, who again made some surprising moves in this draft. Um, we weren't sure which way they were going to go, but they drafted Christian Derritsaw, the player we had been mocking to them um, in their original pick. Yeah, and before you go further, I saw a lot of really upset Vikings fans draft night that the Vikings traded back and picked up picks. Um, ultimately, I think that's who they wanted. And I think they knew that they could get him a little bit later, the way the board was falling. I feel like it was a great move by the front office, but I saw a lot of people panicking in the first round. That, And, of course, people are going to be a little upset here, too. I mean, they take Kellen Mond, the quarterback, out of Texas A&M uh, with the 66th pick, but you had four third-round third picks and three fourth-round picks where you you get a guy who should, be, should have been a second-round pick in Kellen Mond. Um, but... The rumor is that Justin Fields, they were ready to take Justin Fields uh, if he was going to fall and fall into their lap. Bears trade up. You get Darius at the 23 with a Giants trade, or not the Giants trade, um, but it's a wonderful pick on their part. Darius is going to be a starting day one tackle for you with a project quarterback in Kellen Mond who, watch out, he's going to possibly get that starting job by the end of the year. Yeah, and, and, and it's come out that he could be the surprise quarterback of this year. Michael knows more about him than I do. But he's very athletic. He's got a very strong arm. He, he has to learn to read some defenses a little bit, get a little more accuracy on the ball. But when it comes to throwing the ball down the field, there's few guys in this draft with a stronger arm. There's probably no quarterback besides maybe Trevor Lawrence who's played as much football at quarterback than Kellen Mond. And, yeah, he's got an incredible cannon. So when you look at him um, next to Cousins, it's going to look night and day. It's going to be completely different. But Kellen Mond, he had Jimbo Fisher, you know, has a coach these last year, two years now. Um, it made some improvements, but the guy has struggled with accuracy and struggles with decision-making, makes a lot of boneheaded moves and bad throws. Can he correct that at the next level? Then you're looking what I think is Dante Culpepper 2.0, which Vikings fans should be excited about. Yeah, they also pick up Chaz Surratt, which Michael likes. Wyatt Davis, again, you bring a guard in along with an offensive tackle that you took to really try to help those offensive line problems you've been having. And even in the fourth round, I'll mention Janarius Robinson. It's a guy who's very athletic. To go to a guy like Zimmer could definitely turn out to be a steal in the fourth yeah, round. Yeah, Robinson's what he what Zimmer kind of does in these drafts. Also, Smith Marset, the wide receiver out of Iowa in the fifth round, incredible athletic talent. I think could be, you know, he'll be a special teams contributor right away, but I think will will be on the field quicker than you think. But yeah, back to Chaz Surratt real fast, the linebacker out of North Carolina. Quarterback coming into the college, played a little bit of quarterback there at North Carolina, switched to linebacker. And I think the guy's so instinctive in that linebacker room there, he's gonna replace uh, Kyle Wilson that you lost to the Eagles. Um, and Wyatt Davis should have been a, a second-round pick, even late first potentially. He, you have a starting left tackle and starting guard in Derrissaw and Wyatt Davis. This was a home-run draft for me for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, and ultimately, we gave them a B-plus um, just because, you know, you didn't have the second-round pick, but you made up for it a little bit in the third. And then there's just, you know, you draft a running back high. Dalvin Cook is there. You have a good 
backup already. So, uh, so a few surprising picks, but it's still a really good draft for the Vikings. Yeah, and for my father-in-law and some friends that had texted me, you know, about Kellen Mond and what he is, I really do, even as a Packers fan, feel like you found probably the quarterback of the future there as long as he doesn't have to play this year. If he has a year to sit and learn, I really think all those tangible things will come together. Yeah, I mean, really, B, we put B-plus for this one, but again, we look at it, we talk about it. Cameron Bynum, the safety out of Cal, the more I could hit this one up to an A minus, even up to an A to be one of our A's in this in this draft grade. But we went with B plus. Um, we thought solid draft. Some guys that are more projects and maybe more boomer bust um, on a team where you just you have a lot of needs, but uh, maybe you don't have the the ability to take some of those risks. Uh, next, we got the Green Bay Packers. Uh, nine picks total in this draft. They start out with the first. You know, let's just get to it first. Draft night news. Aaron Rodgers. Everybody's heard about the Aaron Rodgers news. But that really absorbs draft night. Yeah, so I, I went through an initial panic right away. Come to find out Adam Schefter may have released it without certain sources. I, who knows what's going on? There, it's definitely the beginning of the end, whether it is now, whether it is next year, whatever it may be. At the time of this recording, he's still with the Green Bay Packers. It sounds like they have offered him a long, long, big extension to try to get him to stay and try to patch things over. Devontae Adams says he may leave if Aaron Rodgers leaves now. I think if this continues and it gets closer to, you know, time to play football, things start to heal themselves a little bit. I think, you know, you get the excitement of the season coming back. The player's excited. If it starts to fall apart, you got to trade him, get what you can get for him, and hope you can keep that team together and happy. To me, this is the ultimate ploy by Aaron Rodgers to get the new contract. And I could be wrong. Maybe he is serious about this bluff and everything, but I just think all the agent room news that are coming out and, and, and the news from him and just – I think it's just him trying to get that Mahomes-ish type money for the next four years. Um, doesn't maybe want to leave. I think it's harder on, on him to, to relocate and do it all. He's uh, he, It's a 13-3 and three team who I think got better in this draft. And I think, they're, they're again, they're division favorites going into the season. And I think he wants the four-year deal, whatever, five-year deal, at 40-plus million a year. Um and I think we're going to be talking about Jordan Love getting traded yeah, next year. Yeah, and we talked about we talked about that privately the night of the draft that we thought he could get traded that night to try to patch things up. I think if Aaron Rodgers is staying around, you'll see Jordan Love get traded. But we move on. Round number one, a pick that Michael had to really talk me into, and I still got a lot to look at. Eric Stokes, cornerback out of Georgia. They need a cornerback. There were some wide receiver options there. I think the guy they wanted was taken by the Ravens before that. But they get a cornerback, try to get King out of there, and try to get Jair some help. Second round, Josh Myers, center. They lose their center this last year. He comes in from Ohio State, a lot of game experience. I think he's a plug-and-play right away. Round three, my favorite pick by the Packers in actually quite a while, Amari Rodgers. He's going to be a great special teams player. He's going to be a great slot player, wide receiver out of Clemson. If Aaron Rodgers stays around, watch out. Amari Rodgers could put up big numbers. Amari Rodgers is really Randall Cobb 2.0. He is a slot wide receiver. He'll be starting day one from the slot. And, you know, they even at his pro day had him doing running back drills. Like, he's going to get the ball a lot. So, you know, we'll talk about a little bit in fantasy. But Amari Rodgers is a name to look out for. But overall, I like their draft. They, again, people are like, you know, I hear it all the time. Why don't we get help for Rodgers? Why don't we get help for Rodgers? Sometimes the best way to help Rodgers is building a team around like offensive line, defense, make it so he stays upright and he doesn't have to put up great 30 quarter, points. Great quarterbacks can make great receivers. And he has you have the best receiver in football in Devontae Adams. So I think you know they go, they get Josh Myers to replace Corey Lindsley being gone. Whether Jenkins slides the center and he plays guard, whatever it works out to be, your line shouldn't have taken that big of a hit. 
And defensively, Eric Stokes can hopefully be that number two corner you need opposite, you know, Jair Alexander. Yeah, and ultimately it all depends on what Aaron Rodgers does. The draft at the end of it doesn't matter as long as Aaron Rodgers comes back and continues to have that team. From the sound of it and how everything's happening, Jordan Love clearly is not ready to be the guy. We gave him a B-minus here. Again, they didn't take a wide receiver very early, but they got a very good one in the third round. Packers, we'll see what the rest of the offseason brings. And it, I think it's going to depend a little bit on what these, some of these later picks do. You know, they, they, they're they round four, round five, round six picks. You know, there was there was bigger names on the board at that time. They took guys maybe that they, you know, we just don't know their board. But to me, we're picks that were kind of uh, off the radar picks. And now we're going to move on to the NFC North, where we really felt, Maybe two teams had really good drafts here, and then maybe felt two teams didn't have so good of drafts. But we started off with the Cleveland Browns, who really we'll talk about their draft grade here in a second, but I thought they took great value everywhere they were at. We had already let you listeners know about Greg Newsom the second and how he's getting into the first round. So if you listen to the podcast, it shouldn't have been that big of a surprise. Total of eight picks here. They go Greg Newsom, the second cornerback out of Northwestern. Should be their number two corner, I think, starting day one. Jeremiah Owosu corner. Owosu Koromoa, the linebacker safety out of Notre Dame. Here's the surprise fall, and I think you talked about this even, that Koromoa is maybe your your guy who would fall in the draft. Yeah, I thought he would make it maybe into the second round just because he's undersized in certain positions and he's too big in certain positions. Ultimately, it sounded like there was some health issues that teams were concerned about that came out the couple days before the draft and they didn't have time to research it on. Going to a team you know, that defensively is getting better and a team that just ultimately is becoming kind of the powerhouse there of that division, I think he can plug right in. It, he doesn't have to have a specific position. He can be like an Isaiah Simmons, move him all over the place there. Greg Newsom, I love going there. He doesn't have to be the number one cornerback there. He can play the two, he can play the three, he can move around. So I, I think they had an amazing draft. You know, I, I, Anthony Schwartz was kind of a luxury pick at three. You don't know what L, or, you know OBJ is going to be or what he's going to do on that team. You get the fastest player maybe in the draft in Anthony Schwartz, kind of a gadget-type move. Demetric Felton, the wide receiver out of UCLA, is one of my sleepers in the entire draft. They get him in the sixth round. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, one, he's going to be on special teams, but if he actually gets more touches at wide receiver than people would think. But guys like Tony Fields, the linebacker out of West Virginia in the fifth, another special teamer, but Owosu Kormoa should start for them on defense. I think you got three starters potentially in this draft. Um, on a team that is already a, a very solid roster. Yeah, and like you mentioned with Swartz, I mean, OBJ has injury issues, but there's a chance he could be traded because Baker Mayfield seems to play better when he doesn't have to worry about OBJ being on the field. We'll see. Give him an A-. minus. I think the front office did a good job on a team with a very tough schedule this year. Yeah, I mean, they're up there with one of the top drafts we've looked at. You know, we've talked about the Vikings here, and now we've got uh, obviously the, the, uh, the Browns with one of the better drafts um, as well. Uh, we move now to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The, my biggest, like, I guess, model for this draft is love the player, hate the spot. I mean, like, I love the some of the players they drafted, just didn't really necessarily like the spots they got him. Of course, you go and first pick Najee Harris. If you're going to take him, it had to be here. He wasn't going to be around for your next pick. You know, of course, running back out of, out of Alabama, best running back in college football last year. It's just they, they have so many offensive line issues, and they go Najee Harris, a guy who's had the luxury of having a great O-line at Alabama to run behind. But he's going to be a three-down running back. He's going to help in the pass game, blocking, running. Uh, Najee's just a, he's a great player. Your overall thoughts on Najee going there? Yeah, I mean, he seemed like that's where he was going to go, unless for some reason the Dolphins took him, something like that. He seems like a Pittsburgh Steeler. The offensive line scares me there a little bit. They're not that good. So you put Najee in and ask him to do everything. We'll wait and see what happens. But 
that run or that run offense has to get a lot better than what it was. I, it's funny, Buddy Johnson going there in the fourth round. I think it's going to be good when he gets to the Steelers and he gets some help. I think being with Texas A and M there, he was a very athletic linebacker. Goes to a very athletic, you know, yeah. linebacking core here. Isaiah Loudermilk is that not sounding like a Steeler defensive end linebacker from Wisconsin? Yeah. And and they talked about it on draft night. That's the type of player that they can take into that system. And all of a sudden, he becomes a pro bowler out of there. And one of the punters drafted in this draft, Presley Harvin the third out of Georgia Tech. Love this guy as a punter. Uh, Percy Harvin? He's one, I believe he's the first, he'll be the first African-American punter since Marquette King was in the league. But Presley Harvin, he's he's a great punter. But Kendrick Green, they're one, the one offensive lineman they did take out of Illinois, or sorry, they're, they're one offensive guard they took out of Illinois will be a starter for him. I'd like Kendrick Green a lot. I think they they kind of did redeem themselves a little bit with getting him. I don't know much about Dan Moore, the offensive tackle out of AM, but Pat Fryermuth, second round tight end out of Penn State. He, you know, they got Eric Ebron. I just wonder, you know, all these players, are they going to slide right in? Is, is this team going to be as good as they were the first half of the season last year? Or are these players going to contribute more to a second half type team? And so we ultimately gave them a C or C plus. I think what gets it there for me is they never address quarterback. You're still going into the season with Mason Rudolph as your backup, not knowing what Ben Roethlisberger is going to be. And you had a chance at Tevin Jenkins solidify that, you know, offensive line. You take a running back and a running back kind of deep draft. You take the guy you like, but see my or C plus. Yeah, I mean Najee Harris is going to have to give them some sort of that Le'Veon Bell type production. Pat Frymuth's going to need to be a starter for him, um, you know, and, and a guy who gives you multiple, you know, almost double digit touchdowns. But Kendrick Green should be a starter day one, um, and I think they just need to make sure they address some of these moves and some of the veterans in free agency that are still there. We move now to the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that had ten total picks in this draft. And they started it out with going Jamar Chase. So for some people, by not getting offensive line with that first pick, they already knocked him down into like a C category. Um, I believe PFF even gave him like a D or an F just for not getting offensive linemen first. But to me, Jamar Chase is a home run pick for him if they're not going to go offensive line. Um, we've talked about it at length on this podcast. What you show Joe Burrows with the opposite of what the Packers are showing Rodgers is whatever you want, you have a voice in, and we will help you succeed and be comfortable. He brings a guy in that not only helps him on the field, but he's comfortable with off the field. Yeah. I think that, you know, helps him a long ways in his growth. But and it also could be a detriment to him, right? Because sometimes players don't know how to look out for themselves by saying to separate the relationships in football to say, I mean, I, I totally understand that you bring in a guy that he's friends with and he's the best wide receiver in this draft. But at the same time, you don't get alignment until Jason, Jackson Carmen, the, the guard from Clemson in the second, who, again, he's not a tackle. He's a guard. Um I think there's still going to be offensive line issues um, uh, for the Bengals. Yeah, and they bring in Deontay Smith, who's an offensive tackle with Eastern or East Carolina, a guy that's going to have to take a couple years and really develop, you know, technique and those types of things. Chris Evans, running back from Michigan, late again, a Michigan fan. There, he's a guy that's not going to be a number one running back, but he can be, you know, a change of pace type of guy help out Joe Mixon. They lost Gio Bernard. So I think it's a good pick in the sixth round. As much as I love Jamar Chase and he really is their best pick, they're really their best picks are Joseph Asai, the edge rusher out of Texas in the third. I obviously am a Texas fan, not trying to be biased, but you know, a guy who is one of the best edge rushers in football, who is talked about as a late first, you get him in the third to replace some of the production they've lost. That guy is going to be a starter and he's going to be effective day one. Cameron Sample, the edge out of Tulane, another guy who's going to contribute as a rotational player. Uh, Tyler Shelvin, the defensive ta defensive tackle, the nose tackle out of LSU, I think he'll be day one nose tackle next to Geno Atkins. Um, and then Trey Hill, the center out of Georgia, 
again, a guy who should have been fourth round type player goes sixth round. That's I think your best offensive lineman pick in this draft. Um, but you know, overall, I think we ended up where did we end up with the draft grade for the Bengals? We gave him a B a here. B? I, I think Jamar Chase really solidifies it there. They had other places to go, but you got to like this is one of those pick. ones I vary on a scale from like a B to an A minus. It depends, you know, great late value. Some of the questions, Jackson Carmen to me is the part, the pick that brings it down from like that A minus strong B plus range. Um, probably, you know, like we said, down to that B range for the Cincinnati Bengals, but a team that I think is really, really improving on a roster that just needs uh, some more young players uh, al- along that roster. Mm-hmm. We'll move now to the NFC West. Where we start with the San Francisco 49ers kicking it off with the number three pick and really a pick that this draft really hinged on. We said, is it Mac Jones? Is it Trey Lance? Going back and forth. You had Trey Lance in your final mock. I had Mac Jones, but I was also on board of, I really want this pick to be Trey Lance. And it was the quarterback of North Dakota State. Yeah, too much athleticism there. You heard that the GM and coach, you know, kind of differed on it. Ultimately, it sounded like John Lynch won that one. Um, He's too good to not take. Mac Jones, I think, you know, has a lower ceiling than what Trey Lance had. We'll see with New England going there. But I I liked that pick. The rest of the draft didn't really work out. The only notable him. pick really is Trey Sermon, the running back out of Ohio State. I mean, they've got three or four running backs on that team. He'll make the team. And, you know, they get injured quite a bit. They run the ball so much. Trey Sermon could be kind of a little bit of a surprise in deeper leagues, deeper dynasty leagues. So watch out for Trey Sermon there. Um, but we move on now to the Seattle Seahawks, the team with, Three picks in this draft. Actually, I come away with this draft kind of liking it. Uh, Dwayne Eskridge, the wide receiver out of Western Michigan in the second round. Trey Brown, defensive back out of Oklahoma in the fourth. And Stone Forsythe, the offensive tackle out of Florida in the sixth round. Let's start first with their draft grade. What do we give the Seahawks on their draft grade? Yeah, we gave them a B. You'll have to explain it a little more. You know these guys more than I. And did, did we mention the, C, the 49ers draft grade um, prior to we this? We gave them a B. Okay. So consecutive Bs here in the NFC West. Uh, here's my real thinking with the Seahawks. You have three picks. So either you try to trade back a lot to get more picks and get those fourth, fifth, sixth round type players, or you just say, we're going to stay here and we're going to get best available. Dwayne Eskridge was talked about as a late one type player. They also have an upset Russell Wilson. And again, yeah, offensive line help they could get, but the type of player available there at, at 56, Dwayne Eskridge was arguably the best player available. The team really has only two wide receivers, I mean, and two great wide receivers, Tyler Lockett and Metcalf. But after that, they lost more to the Panthers this year. They don't have that depth that wide receiver maybe we've seen in the past. So a guy like Dwayne Eskridge will be your starting slot guy. But also, Metcalf is shown to have injury history. Tyler Lockett's had injury problems. One of those guys goes down, you're all of a sudden looking at a team that is not as dynamic as maybe you'd hope for. Dwayne Eskridge will be your punt returner. He'll be your kick returner. He'll be your slot wide receiver. And a guy who also, let's just put it out there, played cornerback when he played in college for two years. But Trey Brown will be a starting corner for him. He's that Seahawks type. He's lengthy. He's physical. Um, I don't love Oklahoma corners, but he'll be a starter for him. And Stone Forsythe, I think it was a really a sleeper offensive lineman in a, in a deep offensive lineman draft who I think, maybe not day one starter, but very good rotational and young player. Um, that's why I gave the Seahawks uh, a B in their draft. I think a team that didn't have a lot to do actually helped themselves get a little bit more dynamic and some depth added in. Uh, we move now to the Arizona Cardinals, a team that we looked at their biggest need being maybe backup wide receiver, cornerback, defensive lineman. They go Zayvon Collins, the linebacker uh, out of Tulsa, a guy we both like. Yeah, they kind of took luxury picks in this because they did a lot in free agency. 
They have good wide receiving core. They took Rondell Moore in the second round. We'll see what he becomes on that team. But Zayvon Collins, I think, comes in, can be a linebacker that is much needed on that team, can learn a lot, you know, from the defensive uh, veterans that they have there. I would have liked to see cornerback earlier. They took Marco Wilson, cornerback Florida, in the fourth round. But again, you lose Patrick Peterson. That's a big loss in a division that loves to throw the ball. I think their hope is sack the quarterback. And Byron Murphy's going to have to make the jump. The guy from Washington they drafted two years ago. Buda Baker, is he still going to be your safety? Is he going to play more corner for you? Uh, but Marco Wilson, incredibly athletic, high high school recruit at corner in the fourth round. But again, he had some issues, uh, some some penalty issues, some issues, some laps in judgment at times. Rondo Moore, replacement Flair Fitzgerald, Zayvon Collins. I think they looked at the Buccaneers, liked the idea of Devin White and Levante David. They said, we're going to go Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins moving forward. Yeah, we gave them a B for their draft grade. Yeah, another B in the NFC West. We move now to the Los Angeles Rams, a team that ended up going from not a ton of picks to nine picks total in the draft. I will say I was not blown away by their draft. It felt like a, a draft where people were like, we're smarter than everybody. We know who to take. We're, we're going to take these guys that you don't think of. I will say Tutu Atwell was their first pick, which was a second-round pick. Uh, Ernest Jones, the linebacker out of South Carolina, I will say in the in the third round, is a player I really liked. Um, that was my favorite player that the Rams took in this draft and could be a, start, a starting linebacker for him day one. Um, otherwise, a guy like Jake Funk, running back out of Maryland, he'd probably be a rotational guy for him. Otherwise, what do we think overall for their draft grade? Yeah, gave them a D plus. I think it left a lot to be desired. You know, there's guys like Terrence Marshall that they could have taken, um, and yet they opted for the 2-2 Atwell pick when they already have a guy like Deshaun Jackson who, yes, he can learn from, but I just, I mean, really, is he going to be just their kick returner, punt returner? Uh, it seems a little rich for me if that's all he's going to be. We move now to the AFC West. We start with the Los Angeles Chargers, who, again, I think their first two picks were home run picks. They started by getting Rashawn Slater falling to them at 13. The tackle from Northwestern, who you can either be an all-pro guard or a really damn good, maybe even all-pro tackle uh, for J Justin Herbert. Yeah, I can't believe Rashawn Slater was there, and I don't think they can either. I think Elijah Vera Tucker was probably who they thought was going to be there. It ends up being a starting tackle for them for a long time. Second round, cover the cornerback spot. Much needed, Asante Samuel Jr., who Michael likes. A little smaller cornerback type, but everybody thought he could go first round. Ends up going 47th pick. Round three, they go Josh Palmer, wide receiver. Help out that wide receiver core. Trey McKitty, tight end Georgia after losing Hunter Henry. Yeah, I will just say those two picks, Josh Palmer and Trey McKitty, are why this draft grade kind of changes a bit for me and comes down from maybe the AA minus grade to a B plus is where we have them. Those two are... They're wild card picks, man. Josh Palmer, a guy who didn't have over 500 receiving yards in, in college in a single season. In plays he had were spectacular plays. Yeah, and, and the guys, I mean, he's a good prospect. You know, in, in the third round, again, there were other players I would have liked to see them go. They go Palmer. He'll be a guy to watch. I mean, he's probably a Mike Williams more replacement. You'll see more of him a year from now. Uh, Trey McKitty's a guy who didn't make a huge impact at Georgia. Uh, those athletic traits there and things, I just think he's not going to be the Im immediate impact. Maybe they were thinking well, having Hunter Henry gone. Jared Cook, like he kept his job um, there at the Chargers. Yeah, we ended up giving him a B-plus grade. We move on to the Denver Broncos, who shocked everybody by not going Justin Fields and drafting Patrick Sertan the second, uh, cornerback out of Alabama, a player we both love, a, a position that they're going to have strength now with one of the best defenses in football. But this draft, really, you could throw the grade away because it's not going to matter depending on what Justin Fields becomes. 
Patrick Sertan could be elite. He could be everything. But if Justin Fields is elite as well, which is going to win you more games? Yeah, to me, the best pick they had, Javante Williams here, bring in a running back. And that's when the Broncos are the best, when they're able to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Best way to help Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, run the ball. And this is your rumored spot for Aaron Rodgers, you know, in the news. So watch this. You know, they got a guy, maybe Patrick Sertan's offered in a trade. Uh, who knows? But Javante Williams, regardless of which quarterback's there, Melvin Gordon's in the last year of his contract. We'll talk about it in the fantasy part of this episode. Javante Williams could be the best running back in this draft. Yeah, Denver Broncos, A-. minus. Yeah, Quinn Marin's in the third round home run pick. He's going to be a starting center or guard form probably. Caden Stearns, Jamar Johnson, one of them's probably starting safety after Kareem Jackson, but for sure uh, a day one special team help. Seth Williams offers you depth at wide receiver. Karen Vincent Jr. offers you depth at corner. And Jonathan Cooper, an edge rusher that fits that Vic Fangio um, type defense. We move on now to the Kansas City Chiefs, who again didn't work with a lot of picks in this draft after getting Orlando Brown uh, from the Ravens, but managed to get Nick Bolton and Creed Humphrey, two guys I'll let you talk about with the second round picks. Yeah, both great picks. Uh, Nick Bolton, that first, you know, when the whole process was starting, was talking about a first round pick, ultimately falls a little bit, but he's going to be a starting linebacker for him at some point. Creed Humphrey's automatically going to be the starting center there. Longtime starting center, Oklahoma. The lights definitely are not too big for him. I mean, he's played in a lot of big games with a lot of big quarterbacks. Comes in there, and he's going to be the center for Patrick Mahomes for a long time. Round five, they pick up Noah Gray, tight end Duke. I think Noah Gray is the type that can sit behind a Travis Kelsey, really learn about the position and things like that. Wasn't huge in college, but could be a great tight end. He's a great tight end prospect for sure. Cornell Powell, he's going to be talked about in the fantasy circles as he's a sleeper for fantasy. I think he is a little bit, but you're going to have to break through some of the guys at Pringles that's already there um, as, as more of a sleeper to me and as a fantasy potential. But Trey Smith is a guard he in uh, a guy out of Tennessee who probably was more fourth round type talent to me um, will be either maybe a, a, an early starter for him or at least a great rotational player. Kansas City Chiefs, B+. Plus. B+. Plus. We thought a good great, a good draft. I, you know, I'll even say this. I'm going to give that more like an A- minus because of what Orlando Brown factored into that. But as, in terms of just prospects, B+. Plus. Uh, we move now to the Las Vegas Raiders, who, not by not a surprise, but they draft Alex Leatherwood, offensive tackle out of Alabama with the number 17 overall pick. We all were a little shocked, but then we realized it was Mike Mayock uh, and John Gruden drafting. So the surprise went away. The real surprise was the fact they got Trayvon Merrig, the safety at a TCU in the second round, who we thought was almost a lock for a first round pick. Best safety in the draft. You flip those picks. We were talking about maybe a B here, B plus. Um, otherwise, they don't get a lot of help later, in my opinion. Divine Diablo, the safety at a Virginia Tech. Uh, he's he's okay. Their best later pick is Malcolm Koontz, the edge rusher out of Buffalo, who really, he could give you quite a bit of production off the edge. Um, that's probably their best pick in this draft yeah. besides Merrick. To me, this is even more of a D draft for me because you take three safeties in the draft. You don't take any wide receivers. There's a lot left to be desired. I don't understand Mike Mayock after all the years of ripping GMs about bad picks, and then you go out and do the things that you do. We get, ultimately gave him a C. My I, personal let's, You know what? I, I think that edge out of Buffalo is good, and I think Merrick's good. We'll go B minus, C plus um, for, the, for the Raiders there too. I, yeah, it's a, that's a tough pill to swallow. Um, we'll move now to the NFC East where my Philadelphia Eagles, uh, you know, did something that I was really happy with, you know, managed to trade in front of the giants. I think rattled them quite a bit by moving up ahead of them to get Devonte Smith wide receiver out of, out of Alabama. Everybody knows the Heisman winner. 
They go Landon Dickerson, the center out of Alabama in the second round. I think if he's healthy, he's your best interior lineman in this draft. Uh, you know, opposite maybe Elijah Vera Tucker. Um, they go uh, the the high high character and high athleticism Milton Williams, the defensive tackle out of Louisiana Tech, who is going to be the Fletcher Cox replacement down the road. The problem here is they don't go cornerback until the fourth round, where they get McPherson, the cornerback out of Texas Tech, who's more of a slot guy. Um, I hope you know their new defensive coordinator Gannon can get the most out of him. But they are really their one of their biggest needs was op- a corner opposite Darius Slay. They didn't really address it, in my opinion, um, as well as they should have. Uh, I love the Ken- Kenneth Gainwell, the Kenny G pick, and the fifth round um, to, to to pair with Miles Sanders. Um, overall, I liked the the Eagles draft. It's a team that had you know nine total picks. They picked up a fourth round next year by moving back. Um, I think it's a team that you had a lot of needs. You're not really willing to commit at this point or you're to compete at this point, but you showed, I think, your commitment to Jalen Hurts at least for one more year. Yeah, it feels that they didn't overthink it, so we'll give them a B. Uh, New York Giants are up next, the team that, again, I think they wanted Devontae Smith. They moved back, and I think they took their second-best wide receiver on the board, but maybe not the best player on the board at that time. Kadarius Tony, wide receiver out of Florida. I think is going to go into a wide receiver room with a lot of talent and the guy that they paid a ton of money to with Kenny, uh, Kenny Galladay. Um, but I think the, the best value is Aziz Ojolari, the linebacker edge rusher out of Georgia. Yeah. If they, if they had taken him at, you know, 20, if they'd have taken him at 11, those spots, nobody been mad about it to get him at 50 there along with Kadarius, Tony, you had two starters immediately to your defense. Absolutely. And then, you get Aaron Robinson, the corner out of UCF, who I think is is a is a number two cornerback for sure. So I think those top three picks, I like the players. I just think Kadarius Tony to me didn't really wasn't their biggest need. Overall, we give the Giants a B plus draft grade. I thought they ultimately did add two, if not three, immediate starters to their team. We go now to the Washington football team. We gave the Giants a B plus. I oh I couldn't remember if you mentioned it. Uh, we just went to the Washington football team where. They helped their defense getting Jamin Davis, the linebacker, linebacker out of Kentucky. Um, who, yeah, it's already really good defense. But the issue here is they have secondary issues with they need a safety, they need help at corner. Um, they helped their front seven, which will give them help on the back end. Hopefully, they do get Samuel Cosme, the offensive tackle out of Texas, highly athletic, um, but maybe more of a right tackle or even a guard at the next level. So we'll see what he becomes. But Diami Brown, the wide receiver out of North Carolina in the round three, Ryan Fitzpatrick might be your biggest winner because now he's got Terry McLaurin. Um, he has Samuel, Curtis Samuel, and now Diami Brown, um, a team where there was a, uh, you know, they've, they've got a good roster. I think this draft, in my opinion, helps solidify them as the NFC's favorites next year. But we'll talk about that in upcoming episodes. Uh, what is your thoughts on the Washington draft? To me, it's a B because they didn't take a quarterback. I, I think you need to take one. It doesn't matter if you like who's there, but they're not good enough to be long-term starters. All right, we'll move on now to the Dallas Cowboys, who went very defensive heavy in this draft. Um, overall, I like the players they took because I think they're the best defensive players at that time. I know Robert didn't like the draft as much, so I'll let him talk about it more. 11 total picks. They go Michael Parsons, linebacker, Penn State. Most, you know, if, if character you know issues weren't there, probably the best defensive player in the draft. Kelvin Joseph. Uh, I think he's their, you know, going to become their number one corner uh, really, really soon. I think you get a guy like Jabril Cox in the fourth round. It was kind of surprising he fell that far. Uh, Simi Fihoko, the wide receiver out of Stanford, good depth player there. Um, and then you get a big corner. And uh, Israel uh, Mukumao, the corner out of South Carolina, 
I think uh, just more depth there at the the defensive position. Yeah, ultimately for me, it leaves more questions at linebacker and what's going to happen this next year than it answers. Give him a C plus. Yeah, I think you know the worst case scenario here is you know Jalen Smith might look like he might be on the move, um, and then Leighton Van Der Esch probably doesn't. He didn't get picked up, I don't think, on a fifth year option, so he looks like he won't be there long term um, either. We move on to the AFC East, where we start with the Jets, who go Zach Wilson with the second num- the number two overall pick. Uh, followed up by a trade-up for Elijah Vera Tucker, the guy we raved about on this podcast. Um, followed up with Elijah Moore in the third round and Michael Carter in the fourth round. What are your overall thoughts on the draft or the Jets draft? Yeah, I thought they got three first-round picks in the first two rounds, so I think it's an A draft for them. Yep, and uh, getting a guy like Michael Carter, uh, who's maybe a late two, early round three talent in the fourth round. Uh, a team with a lot of needs. I think the corner was a big need for him. Um, and they get one in the fifth and sixth round, so maybe not as high as they would like. But there's a team that's rebuilding and a team that, you know, I think they're doing the right thing for their quarterback. Um, and overall, I think we ended up with that A-minus grade. Miami Dolphins um, picked number six in this draft. Uh, get a guy in Jalen Waddle, who for me was a little rich. I know Robert likes the player a lot. Um, and I think just helps Tua. If you're going to see what you have in Tua, he'll help him the most there. Uh, Jalen Phillips, the the you know, dominant edge rusher, just history of, you know, injuries at 18. Javon Holland, the, the safety out of Oregon who sat out, but can play safety, can play slot, can play, you know, even outside corner if need be. Um, followed up with Liam Eikenberg, the offensive tackle out of Notre Dame, and Hunter Long, the tight end out of Boston College. Yeah, to me, you got four starters in the first two rounds. Give them an A-. minus. And we'll move on to the Buffalo Bills, who started off with Gregory Rousseau, a guy we thought might slip into the second round. You know, the kind of the polarizing edge rusher out of Miami, followed up with uh, Boogie Basham, the defensive end out of Wake Forest, one of my favorite players in the draft. Um, Spencer Brown, the offensive tackle um, out of Northern Iowa. And Tommy Doyle, the offensive tackle out of Miami of Ohio. Uh, I think one of those two, especially Spencer Brown, I could see starting along that offensive line sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think ultimately they saw what the Buccaneers did to the Chiefs to rattle them, and it's getting defensive players. Yep. Give them a B plus. Yeah, a good overall draft by the Bills. I think you know by getting either Basham and Rousseau, one of those two players will pan out to be a very good edge rusher. And lastly, in the AFC East, we have the New England Patriots, who have eight total picks. They start off with the guy who fell to him, Mac Jones, the number fifteen overall pick, uh, followed by Christian Barmore in the second round, um, and then a guy like Ronnie Perkins in the third round, uh, Ramondre Stevenson in the fourth round, who. A lot of people are pegging as a, a potential Garrett Blunt type uh, player for the Patriots. Yeah, I, we give them a B here based off their draft with their free agency and who's coming back next year after opt-outs. It would probably be an A. If you had to to guess next season starting week one, do you think Mac Jones has a potential to take over Cam Newton at quarterback or do you think Cam Newton gets the first week? I think Cam Newton has the first probably half of the season or until injury. All righty. And that does it for us with the draft grades. Um, next, we're going to bring you um, – our top 10 fantasy rookies for this coming year. Normally when you talk fantasy rookies, you want to talk running backs, the people who tend to have the most value uh, and get those guaranteed touches. However, this year is a little bit different when we have two uh, elite uh, receiving entities and, you know, wide receiver tight end hybrids. Um, I would also like to point out too, with this, you know, fantasy rankings, this is just based off of like standard leagues, PPR, you know, half PPR leagues, not super flex leagues where quarterbacks carry a lot more value. Um, Robert, where do you think we start out with our r- r- rookie rankings for those of you maybe with upcoming rookie drafts? 
What's our number one prospect uh, for rookie for fantasy? Yeah, number one, Kyle Pitts, tight end, wide or slash wide receiver will be tight end in leagues with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Matt Ryan throws so much, he'll be wide open. If Julio stays with Calvin Ridley there, be wide open, a lot of touchdowns, a lot of yards. You no, know, I look at it, tight ends, the hardest position for people to get players because there's really only three, maybe four dominant ones. I think Kyle Pitts will be a top 10 tight end, which maybe doesn't say, say a lot. But if he can get into that like top six range where he's the fifth or sixth best tight end, getting close to double-digit touchdowns, he could get your team in that playoff just by being a, a top six type tight end. So Kyle Pitts will, you know, being as athletic as he is, he can give you wide receiver production in a tight end slot in fantasy. And that's just absolutely rare. Uh, if you have the chance to get Kyle Pitts, I, I think that's the direction your team should go. Number two, we move. We have Jamar Chase. Again, not a running back, but Jamar Chase, wide receiver out of LSU, now at the Bengals. We just think with that relationship with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase has a chance to go over 1,000 yards as a rookie wide receiver and possibly even double-digit touchdowns. Yeah, he's a man among boys in college, and he's going to be a man among boys in the NFL. You have T. Higgins opposite him and Tyler Boyd in the slot. Uh, but with losing A.J. Green last year, I think that's over 100 touches or targets that need to go to somebody else. And I think Jamar Chase sees at least three quarters of those. I think he'll see 100 targets. I'm guessing more like 70 catches, 75 catches. He'll be in that like over 800 yard range, I think. I know he projected himself at 1500 yards, uh, but if he manages that, I mean that's that's you know Hall of Fame pace type already. Number three is our first running back, you know, and this one's a, a little tough. There's a discussion here to have on the best running back in this draft, but we end up staying with Najee Harris, the running back out of Alabama. Now, of course, at the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're you're maybe most balanced, do it all type running back. You know the three down back, six foot one, two hundred thirty pounds. Um, again, the, the biggest problem is not with Najee; it's with the Steelers' offensive line. Um, do, where do you think maybe the ceiling would be for Najee? Do you think he can creep into the top ten for running backs this year? I don't think he does, but I think he comes close. If you're in a PPR league, those types of things, he's going to be a guy with a lot of receptions. Might have some receiving touchdowns. Um, I think that's what separates him probably from the other rookie running backs. Now, would you have to put your money on either Najee having 1,000 yards, 50 receptions, or double-digit touchdowns? I think double-digit touchdowns. I think once they get down into the red zone area, they'll use him a lot more. Um, I just don't see the rushing yard total being there as much. I do see probably the receiving yard being there kind of like, bell was at the beginning of his career i mean i think the, the best a good season for for Najee would be getting over 750 rushing yards 35 to 40 catches you know and hitting that you know eight plus touchdown mark would probably you know whether you draft him above like a guy like jamar chase or kyle pitts you know you're hoping for more like a thousand and, and ten touchdowns but we move now to the first quarterback off the board you know in, in super flex he's probably the number one guy um, that's Trevor Lawrence, of course. You just have you know too many you know targets there in, in Jacksonville. I'll let you talk about Trevor Lawrence and his fantasy you know potential in Jacksonville. Yeah, I kind of like it again. Again, it depends on what their schedule is, but I like how many weapons they have around him. I like the wide receiving core there. I like you have Travis Etienne as you know that safety blanket for him. So I think he's going to get a lot of yards come off of screen plays, those types of things. James Robinson being there. I don't think he's going to have the interception total that maybe people are worried about him having. And I think it's because Urban Meyer is going to keep it so simple for him. Now, do you think the fact that he's been, he knows he's, he's known he's this pick for two, three months. He's had the playbook essentially. That's going to give him that much more of an advantage. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think he has any nerves. I think he's been in such big moments his whole life 
that I think he's going to get into this situation. And it's not on a big stage. It's in Jacksonville. It's not like it's in New York, these places. I think he's going to come in. And don't be surprised if in the first couple of weeks he puts up eye-popping numbers. And I wonder, too, you know, I know most all coaches are dependent on their quarterback for their success. But I think Urban Meyer taking the risk to come to call or to come to the NFL was based on the idea that he's going to have Trevor Lawrence. And so if there is really more of a, a coach quarterback, you know, fail potential, it's here or in terms of like, they can't fail. Um, I, so I think Trevor Lawrence is going to give every opportunity to go out and throw as much as he wants. We move now to number six player in our, or number five player in our draft. And it's Javante Williams, the running back out of North Carolina, now Denver Broncos. His real fantasy, you know, value probably is a year from now when, when Melvin Gordon's gone, but Melvin Gordon struggled to stay healthy in his career. And Javante Williams has the skill set um, and, you know, the, the demeanor really to take over that job for Melvin Gordon. Yeah, even in the worst years the Broncos have had the last couple of years, they still had running backs that have put up impressive numbers there, even, even when there's two of them there. So I think he's going to come in. I think he's going to end up establishing himself as the number one running back there. Don't I mean, you can look for maybe Melvin to be traded or released, something like that, depending on what his contract situation is. But Javante Williams could possibly end up being, you know, a top one or two in fantasy value. You know, I look at it, and to me, there's a conversation Javante Williams should be drafted higher than Najee Harris. I mean, if you're drafting, you know, a rookie draft and you see Aaron Rodgers going there even, you know, you have to look at the potentially getting Javante Williams over Najee. I also, you know, you just you have to look at how he runs. I think he runs built for the NFL game where he stayed healthy with a physical running type. Um, you have you have enough offensive weapons to allow him to open up the field. I, I look at his situation a lot like Jonathan Taylor last year, where you know Marlon Mack ended up getting hurt, but when he came into the situation, he Jonathan Taylor they were going to kind of ease him in. Matt Marlon Mack gets hurt, Jonathan Taylor runs away with the job, and he still had to split carries with another guy, um, in Naheem Hines. But you could also look at a guy like Cam Akers, who really didn't get his shot to the last third of the season, but man, did he take advantage of it. Um, and and now everybody wants a guy like Jonathan Taylor and Cam Akers going into the next season. We move now to another wide receiver in Jalen Waddle. I mean, this really is dependent on Tua, but they drafted the guy at number six for a reason. Yeah, if you're in a PPR league, I like him here because I don't think he's going to have maybe the yard production that other wide receivers, you know, the deep like yards Devontae even, yeah. Smith, but he's going to have a lot of touches and it's going to be within the 5, 10, 15 yards because Tua is not looking to push the ball down the field. He's shifty enough. He's quick. He can get those catches. So I think he has a lot of receptions this season, and the yards just won't match the reception total. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a top 10 wide receiver the first four weeks until Will Fuller's back. I mean, just because Tua's going to look for that quick pass, you know, more often than not, and that relationship that they've had. You know, Jalen Waddle, he scares me a little bit just because Tua has the potential to bust, um, and then you don't know what quarterback they're bringing in after that. But Jalen Waddle as a prospect, as a person, and as a skill set, uh, to be a top 10 uh, wide receiver, uh, kind of the similar production. He'll have those games like Tyreek does where he goes for 25, 30 points because it's 150 yards on 10 catches, you know, and and a touchdown. So uh, Jalen Wald is very explosive. If you're a team that maybe has some consistent players already and could go for those big home run threats, that's Jalen Wald for you. We move now to Travis Etienne finally comes off the board. To me, you know you have a good running back in James Robinson already on the team. Um, and Urban Meyer has mentioned that he wants Travis Etienne to be more that third down back to start. I don't believe it. I don't buy it. I think Travis Etienne is going to get more 50-50 carries than maybe Urban Meyer is leading on. Uh, but I think 
that's part of the reason why I'm a little, you know, bearish on Travis Etienne. Yeah, and and I'm kind of on the outside of him being in the top 10. I think what you're hoping for with Etienne is he ends up in a screen game. He ends up catching a lot of passes from Trevor Lawrence, and he ends up breaking a lot of, you know, long runs. He's not going to have, I don't think, the carry yards that James Robinson but don't be surprised if in a couple games he's a break 90-yard run type of running back. You know, I look at guys like J.D. McKissick, Naheem Hines, that have had fantasy value in PPR leagues as a pass-catching running back. And if Travis Etienne gets himself into that 45 to 50 catches you know, type player and with the relationship with uh, Trevor Lawrence, I think Travis Etienne still could be a very, very good running back for fantasy team. Um, and then who knows with James Robinson. Again, Urban Meyer doesn't have any allegiances to – to James Robinson, unfortunately. Uh, we move now to number eight, the Heisman winner himself, Devontae Smith's on the board. Uh, you know, Devontae, he's going to just be as good as Jalen Hurts is. I mean, if Jalen Hurts, if he becomes more of a running first type team with Jalen Hurts, then Devontae Smith's numbers are going to go down. But as long as Devontae can play in the NFL like we think he can, Devontae Smith should be a guy that sees plenty of volume on the Eagles team. Yeah, and here, here's where I compare maybe his production to someone who like Jamar Chase could have is I feel like the Eagles are going to play down a lot this year, like the Bengals are going to. So I think you're going to get a lot of garbage time points from him, those types of things when they're trying to dig their way back in. Devontae Smith, again, I don't think is going to have – he's going to be the opposite of Jalen Waddle. I don't think he's going to have as many catches, but I think the catches he does have are going to be for touchdowns. They're going to be for long yardage. Deshaun Jackson, 2.0. Yeah, Devontae Smith's definitely going to have the volume. I mean, he again, it might not lead to all their catches, but he's going to get looked at a lot. They're going to have a lot of routes for Devontae Smith, and he's going to have the biggest chance of getting those 45 you know, yard down the field catches because they're going to use him. They're going to use Rager across the middle, Goddard across the middle, and Devontae Smith deep. And I we've seen last year where Jalen Hurts has been more than willing to hit that player deep, and they already have a great rapport. Uh, so I think Devontae Smith could be – I mean, he could be a, the, the rookie of the year. So, I mean, you just have to, to know when to draft him in this draft. Number nine, the surprise one here, Michael Carter, the running back out of North Carolina that went to the Jets in the fourth round. Um, but Michael Carter, it's mainly based off of volume at the Jets. Yeah, I like the Jets offensive line here too. I mean, I, I think they're moving in the right direction. I like him as a running back. I know he's a little bit different than what Javante Williams was in school. But if, if he can be the not even one, but the two running back, if he comes in, I think he still gather, gathers enough production. And I think they want to take that pressure off of Zach Wilson, who's obviously not on this top 10 list. I think they want to take the pressure off him, run the ball, let him do some play action, keep him safe. Yeah, I mean, I think they have Samaje Perrine there and Tevin Coleman they picked up. He's going to have to earn his spot. But I think Michael Carter quickly becomes fantasy relevant. And again, you'll know sooner than later, I think, with Michael Carter compared to like maybe Travis Etienne or Javante Williams, I think Michael Carter shows more early. And the thing Michael Carter does lack is breakaway speed. I think he's going to be a yardage guy, but he's not going to be a touchdown total guy. When he gets out in space, a lot of times he does get run down. Yep. And now again, are we going to go quarterback here? We haven't talked about Trey Lance or Zach Wilson, two guys who could have fantasy value. Trey, you know, Kyle, obviously uh, uh, Trey Lance might be sitting a season, um, but you know, Zach Wilson should be, have plenty of volume day one. Why are we going with the number, our last player in the fantasy? Yeah, we're going to go with Amari Rodgers, the wide receiver with the Packers. And I, this isn't just because I'm a homer on him. It all depends on if Aaron Rodgers is there. We're talking about Amari Rodgers if Aaron Rodgers is there as possibly even a top five fantasy rookie just based off of how much 
Devonte Adams gets covered, it's going to open a lot up like Randall Cobb did when Randall Cobb first came in. He put up a lot of touchdowns. He put up a lot of yards. I think the same thing will happen if Aaron Rodgers, if Aaron is, Rodgers is there. I wouldn't be shocked if Amari Rodgers, the Rodgers to Rodgers combo, which we saw at one point with Rich Rodge, could be eight, over 800 yards and like five, six touchdowns. You know, I don't know if you'll have the touchdown total with Tunney in there and Devonte Adams and stuff, but. I think Amari Rodgers could easily go over 800 yards this year and what, still get decent touchdowns. What Amari Rodgers brings in that they're really lacking right now is the deep threat ball with a wide receiver that can catch a deep threat ball. Trevor Lawrence offered that to him for a long time. Even covered down the field, he's able to make those hauls in. I think that's what Aaron Rodgers is looking for in a wide receiver. Absolutely. And there you have it. This class is loaded with wide receivers. We'll see late with guys like Kadarius Tony and Rashad Bateman and you know, so that kind of pushes people down the board a little bit, but we wanted to go with the guys maybe have the highest ceiling, like Amari Rodgers, at that number 10 spot. That does it for us here on episode 26 of the Fantasy Football Podcast. I want to say our, our uh, mock draft competition came out with a winner. Isaac Bowman uh, won our mock draft competition um, with, I believe, five of 15 of the first picks right. Um, so he will get a spot in our Fantasy Football League. Um, but, you know... Let us know who your favorite player is maybe for fantasy this coming year. Uh, drop us a, a comment on our Facebook page when we post this. Let us know who you think maybe is the breakout star for this year out of this class that maybe we didn't touch. And who was your favorite you know, draft class here? We know we talked about good ones like the, the Chargers and the Browns and um, you know the Vikings had a good class too. And We talked about some good classes. Let us know your favorite. Uh, was there one that stood out maybe as, as a disastrous grade for you? Um, and don't say the Eagles, please. But – that does it for us. Hopefully now upcoming episodes will be looking forward to the season, talking about, you know, division breakdowns and standings and, and talking about the upcoming schedule. So thank you all for listening. Stay active on the socials. And as always, keep it sleazy. We're out. Yeah.